So hi, everyone. Welcome to another Diversity, Equity and Inclusion podcast. It's great to have your company. My name is Lee Fitzroy and I work in the Diversity, Equity and Inclusion division as the coordinator, Primary Prevention. Now, before I introduce the topic and our guest, I would like to acknowledge the Wadawurrung people, the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm currently standing. I would like to acknowledge Elders past, present and emerging and thank them for their care and custodianship of the land and the waterways. And today we're very fortunate to be joined by Elizabeth Lane from the Pride and Diversity Program at ACON. Some of you may have participated in Elizabeth's session on transgender diverse awareness and allyship during Deacon's Respect Week, which is held from Monday 13th of March until the 17th of March. If you'd like some more information about the event and some background on Elizabeth, please do check out the DEI website. So hi, Elizabeth. It's so great to meet with you again. We met in 2022 as I was very fortunate to have you as a trainer for the Pride and Diversity LGBTI training, which was great training. So thank you for joining us for this podcast about Rainbow Families. Thank you. Thanks, Elizabeth. And we're very aware that, um, you know, this is such a big topic. And as Elizabeth and I were talking about before we started recording this podcast, there are a lot of things that we'd love to chat about. So I'm going to ask you, Elizabeth, to tell us a bit about your identity and maybe a bit about your journey to where you are now. Okay. I'm what's called binary transgender in that, okay, being transgender, the definition means your gender identity does not match you to sex at birth, sex sign at birth. However, binary transgender means identifying the binary as a woman. Now, I was physically assigned a male at birth, but I identify as a woman and the same as any other woman, person who identifies as a woman, no different. Now, a little bit about me, when did I know I was trans? I get asked that a lot. Well, my earliest recollection, I was five. I was in grade one. I want to hang out with the other girls. And yeah, that's great. You can only do that for so long before you get teased and the boys saying you should hang out with the boys. Tried that. That really didn't work. And so actually, funny enough, I ended up in the library. I did a lot of reading. In fact, I still read. I still like to disappear into a book and resurface hours later. Um, life as transgender is not easy, especially for all, um, older transgenders. We have different challenges to the kids. Um, firstly, it's one of, well, who can I tell? I knew, even, I knew at the age of five, this is not something you could tell. Yeah. There's not something that was socially acceptable. So you have to hide it. And basically you become reclusive. You also become isolated. And you're also a target for bullying, as I found when I, as I grew up. Because you didn't have many, many peers, that you're a bit of an outcast, therefore it makes you an easy target. Yeah. So how, how do you hide this? Yeah. Well, I, I, start, I hit it by taking up martial arts. Now, because I have feminine characteristics that came through all the time, and people go, what the hell is wrong with you? They don't say that if you're a black belt. They say, okay, so I'm black belt, I'm acting feminine. Okay, no one's going to say a thing. Okay, it's a black belt. I get my head beat up. So I'm not going to do that. And so I did martial arts. But the other thing I did was actually help keep these thoughts, which were always there about who I was, in check because I was focused on something else. It was a distraction. Now, this lasted for eight years, but then I stopped doing martial arts. And these feelings that I'd been repressing came back far, far stronger. It's like really troubling, hard to deal with. Then I took up Renaissance fencing. Same again, very masculine hobby. Now I was going to question gender identity. I really got into it. I loved it. In fact, still have my blades. Uh, but the five years I left that, and these feelings came back far stronger yet again. This is who I am. I'm suppressing myself. And I've been suppressing myself for years, my entire life. Now, at this point in time, I was in my 30s. And I could know this is getting harder and harder because it was always there, something I couldn't do. Uh, I found transgender support group 
And what would have to be the scariest night of my life and also one of the most rewarding when I first went there. Now, it took me, um, after I found them, two years to have the courage to contact them and then another six months to turn up. When I'm getting ready, I'm putting my makeup on and I sweated my makeup off. Put it on again, sweat it off again. Put it on the third time, ran to the car, put the aircon up full blast and left. Oh, by the way, it was only 17 degrees. That's how scared I was. I was terrified. I get to the venue. It's a hall. And I pull up outside. What? I've got to go out in public? Oh, I did not think of this one. This was not thought through. So I get out of the car. It was only what, a 50-meter walk. It was really terrifying. But then I saw this guy walking up from the local 7-Eleven with some groceries. And it's like, oh, crap. Didn't plan for this. What, I have to meet someone? And he walked right past me. Maybe I'm parcel. Maybe he saw me as a woman. Maybe it's 7.30 at night and dark. And I went in there and for the first time in my life, I was me. Mm. I was able to be my true self and just sit down there and chat with the others and just be who I really was. It was the most amazing night. I had a smile for three days. It could not be stopped. And my partner tried to stop it. And it was hilarious. It was like, and you're starting me on the journey now. I then lived a life in secret for 10 years. My partner knew about the um, about me doing it. No one else, like my son who lived with me didn't know. I'd often ship him to his grandparents for the night or for the weekend when I'd go out as myself. And it was kept very hidden until I could no longer keep, go on doing that. So I've got this life as a man. I'm now into my mid-40s. And I then when I, I'm, plan- I'm going to affirm my gender, I can no longer live the way I lived. Um, so what do you risk? My entire life is up for grabs. Hmm. family do they stay or not i don't know friends do they stay or not i don't know work i don't know what happens there i have no idea hmm. will i be supported will i be accepted it's a huge risk and i actually made plans to lose everything and everyone in my life the one i was most worried about was my son my partner and i had came to um made our peace that we we're going to split up as a couple we we're good friends and still are today but that we knew that was going to happen the one i was worried about most was my son who proved to be exceed anything I could have hoped for. He was incredibly supportive and very mm-hmm. defensive of me. But then as you go telling people, it's interesting because one thing I learned very quickly, you cannot predict reactions. People I've known and trusted had invited to my house, no longer talked to me. Mm. People who I was distant with were supportive. And in fact, at work, there's an active campaign to have me physically removed from the office and no longer working there. And when, upon this happening, people who I was barely knew came up to me and said, this is unacceptable. And they made it clear where they stood by hanging out with me, by talking to me, being friendly with me. I did not expect that. Um, like even my manager, he said, look, I can arrange a transfer for you to another office. I said, I can have it done by Monday. Yeah, this was on Wednesday. I can have it done by Monday for you. When he knew it was getting hard, I said, look, I'm toughing this out because I saw my entire life hiding. I'm not going to hide anymore. And he said, you will be protected in other office. And I knew I would be. The executive there were very supportive. No one knew me, um, so I would have been fine. I said, no, I'm staying here because I'm not hiding anymore. Mm. His, his response was, it's not a limited time offer. You could hard for you in a week, a month, a year. You call me, I'll have you moved. Now, he did not understand transgender at all. He understood human decency, though, and I was really grateful for that. I started living my life as me, doing things I never thought I could do. For example, ballet. I love ballet. Boys don't dance in my family, so therefore I went and did football. So I took up ballet, but then you have other concerns. Isn't that, well, will they see me as transgender? Will they accept me as transgender? What happens then? Um, Initially, I thought I'll just keep really quiet, but I found it a really welcome environment. I thought, maybe they don't know. 
great, we'll just get on with it. I've had out later most and figured out really quickly they didn't care. The only thing they cared about, do you want to dance? Well, then you're in. Simple. That's it. And I found a really supportive environment, a wonderful environment. I made many good friends. That's my life in a very short, simple nutshell. But being transgender, if I meet someone, there's always a thought in the back of my head, what's your reaction going to be? Yeah. And Elizabeth, I think what you've just summed up in five minutes is just incredible, the level of courage and the level of um, risk and also being able to, uh, uh, you know, that double life that you were describing and how long that went on for and the amount of energy it must take to kind of hold that. And and yet then your courage to say, I'm going to be myself, that little phrase where you said to be myself is just really struck me. Thinking of our listeners and given the breadth of your knowledge and your experience, could you share any sort of advice for anyone who's asking questions about their real self and if they feel that who they are is actually different to their assigned gender? Okay. Um, firstly, um, this is a community. We're a community that's been explicitly excluded. Society explicitly excludes you. And it's easy, and we're also a very easy target. So be inclusive. So how hard is it to put a rainbow flag up at your desk at work? I'll put a chance to everyone. After you finish hearing this podcast today, go home and tell your family what you heard. The reason why I say this is at Pride and Diversity, we do do a fair bit of LGBTQ training. And we often say this, tell your families what you heard today and what you think of it. The reason why I say this is one of the other managers came back with an incredible response to that. Had a phone call a few days later saying, thank you for the training. and Thank you for telling me to tell my family. It's the most incredible thing. I'm like, and she said, okay, what? can you fill me in here? I think I'm missing a few details. And now this is a white man, middle-aged man, middle management, wife, two kids, picket fence, the atypical family. And he said, well, I went home. I took your advice. I told my family what I heard. And my daughter, who's 15 at the time, came up to me and said, dad, I'm really glad you feel that way. I'm a lesbian. Now, he said, if he had not done that, the daughter didn't know it was safe with the parents, did not know where the parents stood. And the parents made it clear where they stood. The daughters felt safe to be herself. And she, as you said, I don't know what the future holds for her. She doesn't face it alone. And I told her, when she finds the right girl, bring her home. We'd like to meet her. Oh, that's a fantastic story. And it's a reminder about, um, you know, the focus of this conversation, which is around mm -hmm. rainbow families. And I'm wondering if you also, I mean, that was a manager who was a parent mm -hmm. and he took your advice and he had a different conversation with his daughter and that would have flowed out to the rest of the members of his family. Have you got some other advice for people who are siblings, friends, supporters, allies, parents, for anyone in the community who might be on a similar journey? Okay, for people, um, if you know someone in the community, be explicit. So someone, you know someone's trans, walk up and say, hey, I got your back. I support what you're doing. You have the right as a human being to be yourself. Mm. That's the simplest thing you can say, simplest thing you can do. And by doing that, you're telling, you're explicitly including them and you're then telling them they know they're not alone. They don't have someone to watch their back. Mm. As I said in the workplace, it's easy to put some rainbow stuff up at your desk. Make it clear where you stand. There's a day of significance. Make a point and turn up there and then sharing that with people you know or mm. telling people you know, that, hey, this is on. I think we should. I think it's important to attend. If you can, do it. Mm. Um, with regards to sibling, parents, siblings, um, parents. Now, for kids, it's a very different story and I'm, probably, I'm sure you would have already heard some of this. Because they have different challenges that, as an adult, we don't have. For example, I can fight my own battles. I don't need one to fight for me. I can plan and prepare. Kids can't fight some of these battles. They need adults to do it for them. Mm. If you're an adult, let them know. They can come to you for help. 
because there will be times when it's going to get really overwhelming. It's great to know there's an adult that's got their back. He's going to say, right, you're good. I, I, I'll, I'll take, pick this up and run with this for you. Mm. Also, if anyone's transgender, if it's a child, uh, the Melbourne, um, rural Melbourne um, has a gender clinic run by Dr. Michelle Telfer. They are, they are pretty much the best in the country, amongst the best in the world. They're an incredibly well-run unit. You could not be in better hands. And they go through, they, they, they support not just the child, they also support the family. So if you find out your child's trans, you won't, what do I do? You don't know, don't know how to go. People have been through this before. You won't be alone. Just remember, supporting your child to be themselves is the greatest thing you can do. And by doing that, you will have support yourself. You won't be, they won't be isolated. Because one thing they look for, they do have their own parent support group there. They'll actually help you with other parents who've been through the journey. They can guide you. Mm. So you won't be alone. Mm. And I think some of those insights are around um, also community responsibility, our responsibility mm. to treat people as human beings, regardless of how they are or who they are in the world. Mm. And that's such a, a simple precept, but lots of people forget about it in terms of um, making assumptions and resulting in transphobia or homophobia to other members of community. Elizabeth, you and I could keep chatting about this for hours and I'm really looking forward to hearing you at Deacon next week. We're recording this before you're coming and sharing your insights with our community. But it's been such a privilege and a pleasure to both see you, hear your insights, learn more about both your experience and your advice to us in the community. I always learn so much from you and appreciate your generosity and your thoughtfulness, but also the fact that, you know, you're saying this is a, a community responsibility. This isn't sitting on your shoulders or anyone's single shoulders to take responsibility for improving social justice for all. So to all our listeners out there, thanks for taking time. I hope you, like me, were also challenged and inspired. If you did find any of the content of this podcast distressing, please do seek support through Safer Community Services on 92443734, Monday to Friday, 9 to 4, 1-800-RESPECT on 1-800-737-732. Or if you're a staff member, you can contact the Employee Wellbeing Service on 1300-687-327. We do obviously want to acknowledge that this episode of Respect Belong Thrive is sponsored by the Community Bank at Deakin. It's a partnership between Bendigo Bank, Adelaide Bank and Deakin and it provides grants for community projects and events and initiatives. So Elizabeth, thank you again. I'm going to let you go and get back to your busy work life and look forward to seeing you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.